Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. What is that? That's the second time it's gone off. Never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. Second captain, first captain, whatever. This is Second Captains at the Irish Times after an unbelievable weekend of sport. You know the idea, Murph, Ken? Hello, first of all. Hello, how are you? Chat to you, Hello, you, Ken. You know this idea that it's not the winning that counts, it's all about the taking part? Yeah. yeah. That's a cliche trotted out. I, this weekend proved that the first part of that formula is probably true. It's not the winning that counts. But actually, I changed the second part altogether. It's how you celebrate the victory that really matters. <laughs> I was watching the Champions League final with some friends, Ken. Yeah. We all had the same reaction that I'm sure a lot of people had to Cristiano Ronaldo's <laughs> really? Pre, If you can pre-rehearse your... anything in football... They were, oh, come on, Ronaldo. You were yeah. useless. You, you, you've never bottled a game more in your life. Yeah. And now you're ripping your shit off. Uh, not only was he, did he rip his shirt off, when I looked at the replay, he, I think he may have had it off before he even took the penalty. I mean, it was that, <laughs> it was that well-timed that he had it off. He knew what it was, what it was all about. One of, the, one of my friends said, ah, oh, yeah, well, hopefully, you know, the Sunday papers will be smart enough now to see past that and print something else as their lead photograph. Well, the one or two photos I saw uh, were mostly around Cristiano Ronaldo's tour, so, yeah. which is probably, you got to sell papers. You know, you got to put I, in the I, iconic I image. Front, yeah. I mean, there was a good photo of Bale as well, his giant mouth. Yeah. Uh, did you see that? Yeah, that was the one that that's the one that I thought. Bale, yeah. like the whale, you know. Yeah. If I was Jonah looking at that, I'd be thinking, <laughs> this is bringing back unpleasant memories. Zinedine Zidane in his suit, sort of jumping on his back, mm. and um, yeah, uh, no, it was Cristiano Ronaldo, of course, absent from that photograph because he didn't bother to celebrate Gareth Bale's goal. What was going on there? Did he? Well, I didn't see it, right? But I was told by numerous people yesterday that he stood on the halfway line, glowering at his teammates. Yeah, he did. Oh, that's on the, like, it was come weird. on. It was weird because because obviously, I, I mean, th- this I was quite lucky where I was sitting because I was sort of on the eighteen yard line of the goal where all the goals went in. Oh, brilliant! So this so this was kind of happening down somewhere, and obviously when something like that is happening, you you want to see that. And then I looked up at the Atletico fans as well to see what they were like. And then as I was kind of just looking back, I caught a glimpse of this white blob in a sort of what what's it doing? And I was like. What is that Real Madrid player doing? <laughs> and I said, "Who is that?" And I was just, just kind of, you, you know, it, it's sort of difficult to register. It's like I don't understand what he's doing. You know, he's there's all the Atletico players are kind of around back there, 
sort of, you know, with their hands on their hips and hanging their heads. And Ronaldo is just standing there among them going, okay. Commiserating with them. No, I th- he didn't seem Look, to be no, speaking no, to them. No, he was, he was, he was, he was just sort of commiserate with ta- him. tapping his foot and looking at his watch, you know, thinking, right, you know, it's time to... You know, enough of that. Enough of that over-the-top celebration. Let's get, uh, yeah, let's until, get this game Until my goal and my seriously over-the-top uh, celebration. Yeah. Was it a good occasion, though? It was actually brilliant. Yeah. It was brilliant. It was, I mean, it was a great game. The first half of the game was was not very good. I mean, I, I sound like a Real Madrid fan here. Um, <laughs> the first half of the game wasn't great because Real Madrid just froze. I mean, it was it was terrible what, what happened to them. You know, they turned up and completely froze... Um, Atletico were much better um, Atletico were playing very well but you know they didn't really I mean once they got their goal which was you know an amazing moment to see Casillas humiliated like that uh, in front of all his own supporters uh, just behind that goal um, they didn't really try to to go for anything beyond that and the second half was just all Real Madrid so by the by the end of the second half Real Madrid really had deserved that equaliser you know and the, the equaliser they got was just incredible so um, and you, you kind of knew it was going to happen, but they really they finished off. We style. talked about the idea of two teams in the same city in this case, and whether being a final and whether or not that's good for the occasion. In term, I, I found there were mixed feelings talking to people ahead of the game about how excited I was. Actually, very excited about the game, mm. and yeah, I did think the second, the first half wasn't great because Real Madrid froze, but it was still fascinating largely because of that and just the idea this spectre that was looming that Real Madrid are going to throw away the decima against Atletico Madrid <laughs> no, no. it's extraordinary it was even better than them losing against Barcelona in some ways if that's absolutely possible uh, I don't want to sound like a Real Madrid hater out here but yeah. you're looking for a spectacular storyline then the way they got it, got on top of that I, I know Atletico Madrid can play like that and can soak it up but it did look as though whether their mind went first or their body went first yeah. they were a little jittery in the second half there yeah. I'm just wondering what that was like in the stadium was it noticeable Did you, can you actually sense the energy ebbing away from the Atletico players no not, no not no. you could physically yeah you could see that they were they were struggling and they had this problem with the with having made a substitution after eight minutes which was a really bad decision by Diego Simeone I mean I was thinking about this what is going on here this guy Diego Costa I saw him go off injured last week with a hamstring injury how can he possibly be fit horse placenta yeah I mean I was looking at that thinking this is I'm I'm frankly suspicious of this. If if Diego Costa is fit, I don't know how they've got him fit. But so I, you were quite happy to see. The look, I'm just, in a way, in terms of, I'm, I'm just saying, this Atletico doctor is wasted working for a football team. <laughs> he should no, he should be at Johns Hopkins University. Put him in charge of finding the cure for cancer. Yeah, I don't know what what he's he's cracked it though. You know, this is this is an injury that takes a, a few weeks to recover from, and and apparently he's fit to play. It's not, uh, yeah, final. it's not a pain barrier injury. It's not the no. kind of injury you can. It's a mobility. I mean, and this is a guy whose his whole game is based on mobility. So, uh, you know, I, I thought, but okay. He, he trundled around, and after eight minutes, he was gone. And I thought, well, so they haven't actually... <laughs> I don't know what they thought they were doing, but whatever it was didn't work because he is obviously injured. But then, you know, they they couldn't make a substitution, so the players retired. The fans, though, you, you, the, the Real Madrid fans had, had pretty much given up. They were all just sitting there, oh, no. You know, it was there was no noise from them at all. And I remember in 90 minutes, Atletico got this free kick just outside the Madrid box. And, and I think that was, they thought, that's it. Mm. We've actually done it. We've done it now. Look at us fighting our way up the pitch. We've got this free kick. We're going to waste a bit of time. Madrid's heads have gone. And they're all, you know, not celebrating exactly, but they were the ones making all the noise, the Atletico fans. And then 
Shane Lowry's celebration of his monster put in the 18th hole at Wentworth was almost good enough to make you forget that he'd blown the thing. <laughs> in, in fairness, he'd... Well, uh, no, blown it. Yeah. I know, I'm being overly harsh there. It was yeah, brilliant second are. place by Lowry yeah. behind Roy. But no, it was such a great celebration. I really enjoyed it because whatever about individual tournaments, and this would have been a huge, huge victory, a, a bigger victory for Lowry than for McElroy, it could be argued, it didn't happen. But the fact that he finished on that note, that he, he couldn't wipe the smile off his face yeah, because yeah, that yeah. was enough to give him second place and 500 and something grand, it's worth mentioning as well, yeah. means that he's probably going to come away feeling really good. And he's playing at the as we speak, he's over playing the US Open qualifier. So he's straight back into another uh, couple of rounds of golf today uh, Sharing second place would have been fine, would have been credible, but just just have that m- amazing moment is yeah, sweet. Yeah, because it was it was kind of a tough way to go because he knew he would he had to go for eagle on the 18th, and so that would have been you know miracle stuff to to get an eagle in that situation, and so it was always going to be deflating, you know, if he if he ended up getting a birdie, unless he drained a 50 footer after having <laughs> kind of sort of shanked the third shot. So the way it it couldn't have happened any better from the point of view of right, he's lost the tournament, but. He has a huge amount of momentum now to take into today or take into, um, I think he's playing in Sweden this week if he doesn't qualify for the US Open. So the whole idea of it is that it's something to build on rather than just be looking back on this with a load of regrets. I mean, in the end, McElroy played so well, particularly on the back nine, that Larry couldn't have, he couldn't have too many complaints. You know, he played really, really well himself. So if, as your original premise suggested, Owen, mm-hmm. it is actually just a case of how... How you lost. That's the key thing, really. Well, Donegal won, and they celebrated their victory over mm. Derry with more exuberance than I had expected they would. It was a first-round Ulster Championship match, but this probably just goes to show how their aims have been refocused this year. Of course, I'm sure nothing less than an All-Ireland would be the ultimate barometer of their success, but they're in the Ulster Championship. They have to start winning matches again. They have to forget about the, particularly the big defeats to Monaghan and to Mayo last year. And while they weren't great, and I saw a lot of people saying that they didn't show enough to suggest that they're contenders this year, it could be true, but they got past a sticky team in the first round with some pretty impressive stuff early in the second half. It seemed like they themselves maybe weren't sure whether it was still in them, and now they might think that it is. Yeah, it's a weird thing. When you're a GA player, the the date of the first round of the championship, you know, that's set quite quickly. It's set before Christmas. So for the Donegal players and the Derry players, of course, the 25th of May was all they would have been talking about in training. Like, that's the day. You know, you have to be right for the 25th of May. That's the day where it all kicks off. And so maybe we saw it a bit with the Tyrone game last year. Like, Donegal were good in uh, spells that day as well as All-Ireland champions against Tyrone um, and, you know, it seemed like they had really focused on that game. No, I think we saw more yesterday than we saw uh, in Bally Buffet against Tyrone last year to suggest that they could actually um, get back up the mountain. But, I mean, I, I thought they were impressive. I thought they were impressive for the 15 minutes, certainly uh, at the start of the second half. And the way they sort of saw out the game for the rest of it was, was pretty good as well. Oshie McConville and Anthony Moyles have called in to talk about it. Guys, thanks for being here. Good Ocean, can I ask you, first of all, um, if people are watching the BBC coverage yesterday, they'd have seen you giving your goalkeeping theories, goalkeeping kick-out theories to Shea Given, of all people. Did he pretend to be interested? No, he, I think he was genuinely interested. And I think after, uh, after we went off air, he actually said he learned a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that was, I was literally only with him, like, uh, five minutes, so just shows you. He fi- he's finally cracked up there, <laughs> Shea Given, a, a late... A late uh, His ability to it. retain information is absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Tell us, we'll come back to the goalkeeping theories, but Donegal, based on, what do we base our theories on? Most, the, the sort of 50, 55 minutes where they weren't great, Anthony, or was there enough in the 10-minute spell after half-time to suggest, well, actually, they, they have a shot? 
Yeah, it's 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 a strange one. Stefan Oshim were just talking about it. I think they actually were decent enough in the first half. There was a there seemed to be a decent breeze there, um, and I thought they. Like Derry were going to come at them, you know. Like I mean, obviously up there, everything else. I thought they they got some of the 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 man to man situations correct um, with regard to Lynch, with regard to uh, Lynn, you know. So they they matched up very very well. Like I mean, you have to think the amount of injuries that they had. I don't know how close Gallagher was to playing. I don't know. They obviously just had Christy Toy on and said, just give us a half an hour and absolutely, you know, put yourself out in the pitch. Um, and McGuinness, like, to be fair to him, he has, a, he has a great level of trust there with players. You know, some fellas would kind of get a bit of a, a bit of a, you know, they, I don't think they take that on too well if you're just told, like, on a Tuesday or a Thursday night, look, I want a half an hour out of you and that's just it, you know, and you're going to do it. So he's still, like we spoke last week, this siege mentality or whatever he has going on, um, I don't think things are as bad as what people expect mm. up there. Um, and I have to say, they were impressive in the first half. They held Derry. Derry needed to probably be five or six points up at half time they weren't um, and really McBurty probably should have kicked two scores before half time to bring it back to even one um, or maybe even a le- level going in at half time but then first 15 minutes of the second half they just showed what they can and that was really you know Murphy one of the three outstanding forwards like I mean McFadden was well shackled and McBurty again has flattered to deceive you know he just needs to he's just not taking it on enough for me but Oshin will go through that but I think Murphy just showed that when you have class, um, like you can just turn a game and bang. And pretty much after that, it was it was dead and buried. Well, McBrady tweeted after the game to say, "If anyone has seen my shooting boots, you can contact me through this." Is that sense of humour enough to disarm the critics like yourself? <sighs> if I was him, I, would, I wouldn't be tweeting that stuff. You know, like I mean, I just keep my head down. Like I mean, I'd say Jim McGuinness might have something to say to him about that. I would if I was his captain. Ah, it's okay to. It's it's not as though he's criticising a teammate if he said it about. No, I'd fan. still I'd still say look, you know, you got to get your head out of wherever it is. Is, you know, there's no need to put that on. If I was a cornerback the next day, I'd certainly be letting them know about it. You know, you just—I just don't think you need to bring that kind of pressure on yourself. You know, like I mean, just just keep yourself quiet and stay away from the tweeter machine. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony's gone back to his 1998. Yeah, <laughs> regressing in front of our very eyes here. Are you from Crossways? Just to, t- to take us back to for your just your general feeling on Donegal and whether or not we can read enough into the the dominant period in the opening 15 minutes when they looked you saw Frank McGlynn bursting on Carl Lacey bursting on they were doing all those things that we saw two years yeah. ago yeah and the only thing for me was yesterday that first of all McGuinness had to find a way to win that game without a proper midfield okay and it worked really really well for them even early on I know they didn't get that many scores but they were able to get the kick you know the kick outs right they were able to pick up McNeilis and boys who got there Derry uh, just Basically, Mark from the outside in, cut off the supply. Then uh, Donegal had to kick the balls out in the middle of the field, and they weren't winning anything. They weren't even winning break ball, which is totally unlike Donegal. Uh, Patsy Bradley uh, hit Murphy in early in the, oh, sorry, midway through the, the first half. And from that point on, Murphy sort of had to start to have an influence in the game. He was very laboured, he looked very laboured, he looked as if he was going through the motions in a way in the first 15 or 20 minutes, but he sprung into life after that. And there's not too many players nowadays in Gaelic football that can grab a game with a scruff of the neck and get his team over the line. But that's exactly what Murphy did yesterday. He sacrificed himself in the first half because he had to go out around the middle of the field, forage for a bit of ball. He had to try and win a little bit of ball. But when they put him on the edge of the square in the second half, he won three, four balls. But the 
but the quality of the uh, the kick passing into him in fairness Thompson played a brilliant ball into him Ray McHugh played a mm. brilliant ball into him and that's when you've seen uh, Donegal have the ability of having players run off them absolutely no point in the first half because the, the ball wasn't sticking in fairness to McBride he done an br- absolutely brilliant man marking job on Colin McFadden he didn't get into the game you talk about McBrady I actually talked to his dad after match I didn't realise it until five minutes into the conversation oh, lucky, no. lucky enough I wasn't giving out about it but uh, he was just saying about the pressure he's under going up and down to Maynooth and, and these exams and different things he got there that's not something he's going to have in a month's time I still think that he's going to have a massive season he's mm. somebody who looks to me be in, he's in well obviously he's in serious shape because you don't play for Donegal unless, unless you are but he just looks on the Almost Bernard Brogan like in, in in last year's championship that he sort of was building up and building up to that big game. And I think there's a lot of big games in, in Paddy McBrady before the before the year's out. But uh I really think that they, what they need to concentrate on now is getting Michael Hinney did well when he came on, mm-hmm. uh and they need to get Gallagher fit. If they can get Gallagher fit then they've got a they can have a springboard from the middle of the field. They can't afford to be playing Murphy out around the middle of the field. Like he, he, again Donegal started to go out of the game for a little bit to had to bring him back out the field and when he's at the edge of the square Donegal is dangerous when he's not they don't have that punch to me Yeah it's kind of it's it's nearly like the quandary you have when you've one good player mm. in, uh, on an under 14 team where you basically need need him to catch the kick out yeah. and also to kick yeah. the scores but <laughs> the the negativity that maybe people are, are it's surrounded Donegal a little bit again even yesterday then the coverage this morning is Oh, you know, God, I can't believe you know that we're back to this kind of negative football and all the rest. I am kind of interested to hear you say though that it was McGuinness trying to win this particular yeah. game, and I think it was this particular set of circumstances that uh, that uh, that made Donegal play the way they did yesterday. And I think you know the, the game the game plan might still be developing, and we could actually still see Donegal play a lot of very good football this year, but. The set of circumstances yesterday, the way Derry hold on to the, the ball, the uh, atmosphere, the fact that they were away from home, the injuries. <coughs> the tightness of the pitch. Yeah, yeah, I think that all kind of fed into to fed into how they played, really. No, I would totally agree with that. And I think you, you heard McGuinness just after the game, and like all he was talking about was today's game. Like There was no talking about the also Challenger, but the next game... Like they're going to be in an Ulster final now, so they have the opportunity to prepare down the line. I think what he'll do now is he'll walk on Gallagher and make sure that he's fit for not for the next game, but for the Ulster final. And I think it was important. I said it last week, but uh, I did fancy Derry though going into the game. But it was a impo- very important game for Donegal to win. I don't think they had the capacity to go to back door. We talked about the players coming off the, uh, onto the pitch yesterday and doing well. Some of those players I wouldn't have that much trust in, to be honest, in a, in a bigger game in, in, uh, against some of the better teams. There's some of them who may be found wanting. I think he found out a lot about some of his some of the players that he brought through in the league. I think, uh, I'm not sure about McNeilis, he still has he still has a lot of work to do. I know it's difficult circumstances. O'Connor has the ability... Uh, he was out in his feet after 25 minutes, absolutely out in his feet, and I don't mm. know why. I don't know whether that's that's making your championship debut, and I'm sure he had a lot of nerves coming into the game, and he probably he will improve in time. But and McGoldrick was bringing him the other way a lot yeah. as well. Sean Lee or McGoldrick, I mean, between the two of them, there's a lot of pace and a lot of running there. Yeah, he was, and he did he did a lot of forage and he did a lot of tackling back. He scored his point, and 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 he will. He's he's a player that will improve, but. 
Donegal just did did what they had to do. They just got the job done. Morph's right. I think they'll come out. They'll be a little bit more adventurous, maybe as time things as time goes on, because they know they'll have to be. Well, that's the question. Yeah, and I, I think this idea that football moves on at at quite a rate uh, from season to season, and something that worked certainly two years ago isn't going to precisely work. And I, th- I think McGuinness was aware of that even after they'd won the All Ireland. He talked about the third year will bring something different. Now, we never saw what that was. Whatever it was didn't work anyway. Mm. Uh, so there's a question, do you go back to basics from a couple of years ago or even from, from three years ago or do you develop something new? Do we not know the answer to that question still? Possibly don't. Um, but I still think it's horses for courses. I think yesterday, as the lad said, he, he, he did. Like, I mean, he was without lots of fellas. Like, Kavanaugh as well is missing. You know, yeah. and there's no doubt about it that when you have someone like Murphy on the edge of the square. Like if you see McFadden, McFadden gets a lot of his scores actually looping around Murphy. Mm. Murphy winning the ball and McFadden coming around and he just pops a little pass to him and Murphy takes the defender out by, by his physical presence and McFadden just kicks them, slots them over. You saw yesterday McFadden had to kind of come out of his comfort zone to kind of come out 35, 40 metres out to get balls on the loop and that's much, much easier to defend. It's impossible to defend. You saw it with O'Gara at that time in the league final. If you get a pop pass in yeah. front of a big full forward coming out, like it's a very, very difficult position for a full back because... If, if you're in front of him and you're taking his space, he can put it out behind you. So you can, you can get a crossfield pass in behind, so you're worried about that ball. If it's, if it's diagonally across, all he needs to do is get a flick on it to, a, to an onrushing forward. And you saw yesterday in the first half with Donegal, they didn't have that penetration. And Thompson and these lads were actually getting beyond the ball. And once or twice they actually got in that way, but they didn't still have that fulcrum. I think the best place for Murphy, obviously, is Kavanaugh comes back. Gallagher comes back. There's your midfield. Murphy at 14. McFadden and McBrarty. I, th- I still think McLean looked very hungry yesterday. Lacey, I thought I thought there was a lot of there was a lot of energy to him yesterday. Thompson was up and down the field. He was absolutely phenomenal yesterday. Like I mean, he literally ran everywhere. Um, and I just think the McGrath as well. They, they really were bouncing yesterday compared the, to the league final. It was, yeah. it was it was like chalk and cheese. They're the lungs of the Donegal team, though that half back line. If you if you look at McLean. Lacey, Thompson, McGrath, those four say they're if they're up for it, you you pretty much know the temperature of the Donegal team. Absolutely. And then you've the two McGee lads like literally doing what they do <laughs> to the opposition <laughs> threat. <What> because <laughs> free, free watershed. But so, but, but yeah. you look at you look at um the corner forwards, like again, Derry I was watching it, you know, like, I mean, static, 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 static. Like, they showed last night, they showed, they, like, fellas with the ball, and they were talking about Donegal's defence and, oh, the swarm defence. But Derry men were just standing up. You know, it was like one guy on the ball, one guy kind of running around, but everyone else just standing and watching and kind of seeing what he's going to do. Instead of, like, what I would believe, if, if you have fellas back, you need fellas running in every direction to try and create some passes and actually want the ball. But the full forward line for Derry, exactly the same as the league final, standing not really looking for the ball and sure the, uh, the corner forward was taken off after I think half an hour or so um, the two McGee lads had just sorted that out so I think Donegal are a serious threat again yes they probably will make an Ulster final very very easily um, and sure then this was a big game for them though like I mean if they lost anything could have happened O'Shane tell us about your goalkeeping theory that had Shea given in <laughs> wonder <laughs> no, just at one stage during the game, the whole midfield was just condensed into the middle, and that included the half backs, half forwards. And what happened was one of the Donegal players would just burst right or burst left, and Dorkham would just pinpoint him with, with a kick out. And Derry didn't seem to know what to do. All of a sudden, 
Paddy Taddy comes down the line and said, we'll just mark from the outside in, which is a very simple thing to do and probably probably should have had it done a lot earlier. Uh, they just mark from the outside in, give them no opportunity for a short ball. As you know, as I said, it was a, it's a fairly tight pitch, so there's no opportunity for a short kick-out. So what they had to do is a bomb it out into the middle, and that suited them because until Fergal Doherty went off, like, you know... Th- mm. Derry were literally winning absolutely everything. Well, I was going to ask, how did Donny Gall then counteract that in the second half? Was it just that Fergal Doherty went off towards the end of the first half? With the back well, injury? that was part of it. And Neil Holly sort of come on and sort of... He sort of did his own thing. You know what I mean? He yeah. didn't really conform <laughs> with what the rest of the team was doing. Because Patsy Bradley spent a lot of the second half... Because I was actually on sideline yesterday. Patsy Bradley spent a lot of the second half trying to tell Holly where to be. Uh, they were able to pick up a, a few short ones. Derry then began to retreat a little bit. They give up a few short kickouts, which which I thought mm. was criminal. Considering when the ball went out into the middle of the field, they looked they looked a hungrier team, especially in the first half. Donegal won all the break ball in the second half as well. McHugh came into the game, who I think is a better player than his brother. I'm not sure if he's as intelligent or he fits into the system just yet, but he's still a young lad. He's probably only nineteen twenty, and he's somebody who who can improve. He he has a serious amount of pace. As I say, he's, I think he's a better ball player. He's a better he's a better kick passer, um, and he probably has the ability to fit in to do the exact same job as Mark Dunn. But it's going to take a little bit of time. Yeah, uh, Derry on the ropes now, though. I mean, you you did uh, fancy them before the game, but they've had two right, Muff. <laughs> <laughs> they've had two uh, really crushing defeats in the last kind of four or five weeks. Do you think that? The season is, you know, is derailed for them, or do you actually think that they have it in them to, to come back and actually give the qualifiers a rat? Now, the one thing that's in their favour in relation to the qualifiers, they're not one of the last teams to go into the qualifiers. In that they have a couple of weeks now yeah. to try and sort it out before the first yeah. round of the qualifiers. That could be a big thing. I think they'll sort it out. I think they'll have a good run in the qualifiers, but I still think they have their deficiencies. I think the big, the biggest one is that up front they're just not. They just don't. They lack a little bit of punch. And Owen Bradley into that into that setup yesterday. At some stage, they could have punched a few holes in that Donegal defence. Um, I could have played in the Donegal defence yesterday because it's it was completely packed. Thirteen players behind the ball, and yeah, okay, they did break break a pace, but you know, as far as a go, as picking up players go, it was very zonal yesterday. It was more zonal even than I seen it a couple of years ago. You know, when somebody got the ball out in the wing, it was. You know, four or five players pushed them, kept mm-hmm. kept pushing them out. Derry had to be very, very lateral. But uh, I, look, at I think I still think Derry aren't going to come up against something like that every week. And I think you know they can have a huge amount of success. But look, it's going to take a bit of bit of work psychologically to get them back mm-hmm. into it. But I think they can. Yeah, we'll talk about the Tyrone win. And just before the the football itself, there's this route. It's simmering between Mickey Hart and Liam O'Neill GA president which is a little bit of a, a strange one there, there were comments on Ocean FM a few days ago I think it was Friday where Liam O'Neill was talking about the black card and some negativity about it and Mickey Hart being a chief among the, the critics he says in fairness to Mickey Hart he doesn't leave much negativity out if there's something negative to be said Mickey will say it and he's consistent on that Mickey Hart was obviously asked about this after the, the game on Saturday night and he said, I'd be disappointed more than surprised because I always do my best to put a reasoned argument about the things I believe in. To personalise something like that, I don't think it's the right thing for the president to do. Uh, I don't know if it's fair to ask who's right and who's wrong in this, but uh, what's your reading of it, Anthony? 
Yeah, it's uh, it's a strange one. It's just kind of I don't know if it's come out of just like I mean the ether or what's going on. If something was there before, but it is a very very strange one. You know, like I mean for both of them to kind of go so public about it. You think one of them would just leave it and let it off? But um, you know, yesterday again, like Hart was talking about the fact that he won't have his club players uh, for ten days for club championship, and then he was kind of saying, "Oh, you know, I don't. I'm not being negative about this." So he's kind of he's jumping on it, like he's kind of keeping it going. It's just very strange. I don't. I, I really don't know. But like, I mean, they just have to. One of them has to just bury it and just look and leave I, it alone. I, you know, I guess from Mickey Hart's point of view, he felt he was defending himself, and the questions were put to him. Um, Liam O'Neill, I don't know if there is an underlying issue there, Oshin. But were you surprised that the president decided to? make a, 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 a personality-based comment on the... I was surprised in that Simhill wasn't. Liam has a, has a, had a history of, you know, these flipping remarks that he probably doesn't think are going anywhere, but he should have learned by this stage that they're all always going to get back. Mickey Hart, uh, I suppose it can sound quite negative at times that he's, that he's maybe always sort of, you know, he's, there's always a gripe, but at the same time, you know, his gripe last week was pretty legitimate. I mean, I think we're all... It's fair enough to say that all the all the big decisions last week by David Goldrick, he got them wrong. Uh, I tell I tell you what, I would have thought would have been refreshing for Pat McEnany to come out and say David Goldrick had a bad had a bad game, bad day at the office. So what? Yeah, I mean yeah. Pat McEnany has come out and he's uh, he said about about referees in the past how good a game they've had, how well they've refereed them. Like I think we would be more accepting if he just come out and said, look, the man had a bad game. So what? players have bad games I, I for one would love to see that I think that would be really refreshing and we wouldn't have it I don't. Th- I think managers would accept that as well Well there was an hour and a half programme on Sky recently uh, with Pierre-Luigi Colina yeah. I don't know if you saw any oh, of it yeah. it was a bit of a grueler it's an hour and a half yeah. <laughs> just watching a referee talk about refereeing decisions but there was some interesting stuff in there and uh, a lot of it surrounded because I think a lot of these these issues, and I know the GA have issued videos and they've explained in, in a lot of detail what the black card is, but I don't know, is there a call for McEnany to stand over an hour-long programme where well, he I just f- kind of goes through? I don't know. Like, I mean, I think Graeme Soonis was nearly ready to fall asleep during that <laughs> programme. But the thing about it is, like, I mean, when you look at the black card and all these issues, still yesterday, or Saturday yeah. night, Cormac Riley gave two penalties that weren't penalties. Yeah. Like, massive decisions. The very first one, the Derry penalty or the down penalty was not a penalty like I mean your man came in uh, McGinn came in along the, the end line I thought it was very 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 harsh he looked to me like he had dropped the ball and then the Tyrone penalty for the last goal was no more oh, a penalty the, yeah. the like, second I mean, penalty was in the back. Uh, and it was it was like I just I just don't know how he he, he managed gone, to get it like yeah. wrong and like again we're talking about the umpires literally standing there like four meters away, and they don't even help him out. So you can talk about black cards, but there's two massive. Like I mean, that's six points. You know, okay, one is for one side, one is for it. But like I mean, because it kind of didn't really matter in the outcome. It's kind of like, oh well, we won't really worry yeah. about that. You know, if it was a draw or if it was a close, close game, it would be focused on a bit more. And but if he, if he gets the black cards decisions right, then that's all we're talking about as well. You know, th- like it's the totality. Yeah. I mean, the black card is in the rule book now, yeah. so. You have to just go with that. Yeah, and I don't even know why I brought it up now. Well, no, it, well, no, it, <laughs> yeah. it, it, like it's just interesting that the, that that's where the focus is. And as you say, two penalty decisions, totally incorrect. 
and no one even bothers to mention it because it's not a black card controversy. Yeah. Absolutely. And all Patsy, you have to do is sit through this and then yeah, it's exactly. for another couple of weeks and then we can... <laughs> and Patsy Bradley, Bradley was blessed in the first five, ten minutes yesterday. Was, yeah. Like, I mean, he, 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 if, if you're looking at the, what, what, what is the black card, you look at the rule book, that's what it is, pulling down a man. He pulled down, I can't remember who it was, but it was absolutely so blatant and I couldn't, like, and I just kind of said to myself, well, here's, it's, it's, it's going to be this way, first ten, fifteen minutes, you bottle it. And then he gives Keelt a black card at the end when it was just like... No, uh, he was keep, uh, thing wasn't even touched. When oh. he went to the ground, uh, Keith never touched. I, I, I was sitting right opposite that. He never he touched him. It's hard, to, it's hard to judge on TV because it's one of those. Well, that's why Keith. That's why Keith. So that's why Keith was so annoyed about it because yeah. he never laid a hand on him at all. And that's another thing that the black card has done. It's it's increased the amount of diving we've had. Mm. Mm. Uh, Mickey Hart to say something positive uh, about him was <laughs> is his ability to work things out on a week-to-week basis and win yeah. replays. He, yeah, it was an interesting comment afterwards. He says, there's no such thing as a replay in my mind because it's an entirely different game. I'm not sure every manager approaches it like that, but it seems like Mickey Hart, he's, he hasn't been around the block and won as much as he has without doing that. You were at the game, Oshin. Did it look like they they had a new plan and maybe down or just hoping last week's would work? Uh, down played most of the good football in the really? first half. Um, I think Down's problem has always been defensively. And again... You know, that let them down very, very early on in the second half. Uh, they had a complete inability. It, almost to me, right at times, it looked as if they decided to leave McGinley. Uh, almost, you know, let him do whatever he wanted. Because in the first game, McGinley got on the world of ball, but I don't think he kicked the score. I think he kicked probably four wide, something like that. He had a goal chance he missed as well. But uh, <clears throat> unfortunately for them, McGinley was on his game. Uh, I think his second goal was was was. Uh, a brilliant goal, but again, it was down to the, to the down defence. I think uh, Trone walked a few things out. I think Ronnie O'Neill uh, looks more natural in that mm-hmm. position than Neil McKenna did, and Neil McKenna comes off the bench and plays really, really well as well. Uh, defensively, looked a lot more solid, but they weren't really given a lot to do. Yeah. Still, wouldn't be sure about about Justin McMahon just yet. You know, I think he needs. He's been out of football quite a while. He needs that little bit of uh, game time. Um, they started McNamee uh, in the half back line. He moved into the full back line. They looked a bit more solid, but they weren't asked enough questions for me. And they're going to get asked a lot more questions. The only thing uh, interesting thing from a an also point of view is that Monaghan have a mental block with Tyrone. Of any team that wanted uh, down to come through that game, it was definitely Monaghan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, this is it. Like, they're, they're, they're all of these internecine uh, <laughs> yeah. Ulster rivalries that we don't know anything about. But <laughs> I, apparently, Monaghan, <laughs> Monaghan hate to road. Okay, that's. Oh yeah, that's they, well, just can't beat them. they just can't beat them. They haven't beat them in 20 blah, 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 whatever years. You know, so. Um, mm-hmm. And this particular this particular Monaghan team would have a serious chance of, of you know, of erasing that. Uh, from the history books, but can they do it? There's still a lot of the uh, Monaghan players there who haven't beat uh, Throne at any level, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Whether that be minor on the twenty one or senior. Surely the Ulster title though would have done something to allay that kind of. They still didn't beat Throne on the way, you know, and that's yeah. sort of something that will stick in your mind. I don't know if, if you had teams. I know we have one team in particular at club level and. Uh, they beat us three times. Not Naramad, presumably. No, <laughs> no <laughs> beat us yeah, three times, yeah. and, and eventually we we got them when we were sort of right, and we were able yeah. to beat them. So you, that will, yeah, yeah, that yeah. will that will happen eventually. Like, I like it. Yeah, it is, and it is, it is. It's, it's. I don't know what it is. It's again one of these kind of things. But we like Westmead for years was us. 
Jesus, like they should have beaten us four or five times, seven, eight, nine points up, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I remember Desi Dolan had a 21 meter free to beat us, and he kicked it wide. You know, like all right, Desi listens to the show, and <laughs> but that's, so you know, steady I'm just, on. I'm just saying, <laughs> it wasn't. Well, it was Desi's fault, but <laughs> <laughs> I can't say it wasn't. <laughs> Maybe it was Graham Garrity. We'll watch over the rest of Desi's <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he kicked plenty of other ones, yeah. but no, it is. Um, but getting back to the Tyrone thing, uh, Hart has he's got. I, I fancied him to win that. Because he just has that ability. Like Morgan was 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 is is vital. Like he kicked four, I think, freeze. Um, as soon as anything out around that fifty meter, they just look for him, put it down, and it's an amazing thing when it's going well. It's a great thing, you know, to bring him up and kick scores. But I remember last year against Donegal when he isn't kicking them, uh, it can be totally, totally disheartening because the, obviously the game stops, you know, the momentum stops. You bring him up, takes a couple of minutes, but uh, he was on form. He's a big player for them. Um, but I have to say they, they they impressed me with the way they moved the ball the other night. Um, I think I, I do think they've still lots lots to work on. But I think that's a good thing for him. I think Hart has a lot of the stuff to do. He has a lot of players to work on, and I think he could surprise a bit more than say even Donegal. Did you see the the clip with Mickey Hart and James McCartan from uh, a couple of weeks before the championship started? No. Uh, it was uh, Mickey Hart was asked, you know, had he. Uh, Coach the Dunning oh, to Tyrone boys to, to Dave and uh, Mickey Hart gave a two minute answer. And while that was going on, James McCartan was in the picture, but he kept slinking back into his seat and smirking and laughing and <laughs> whatever. And Mickey Hart was, def- this, did yeah. you, was defending the fact that uh, he didn't teach his players to Dave. And uh, it went McCartan nearly fell off the yeah, chair, and <laughs> it went to it went to McCartan, and McCartan said, "No, Mickey's right. He uh, he didn't teach them to Dave. It just comes naturally to them." <laughs> 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 so there was a little bit of there was a little bit of verbals between the two boys right. on, on on Saturday evening as well. Murph, just a quick word on Galway. I know you were slightly yeah, back, Murph. Back. Back. You were slightly <laughs> worried. Man. Extremely worried. I was extremely extremely worried about that game, uh, and it turns out that London were just really really bad on the day from what I've heard from a couple of people that were at the game they had don't just, be playing Galway Dan. they had just yeah. regressed yeah. terribly now I think it, what, what was great from Galway's point of view was this kid Shane Walsh who's an absolutely brilliant player who can make the ball talk he's just so skillful he, but see, he's an extremely frustrating player to watch from time to time in that he literally can do anything with the ball mm. uh, and he doesn't know what he's going to do with it himself half the time. But he was excellent yesterday, <clears throat> going six points, uh, going four of that from play, and he stuck the goal brilliantly. Guys like him, Danny Cummins, my own club man, Michael Martin, they all did well, they all scored heavily, but you know they know themselves, mm. Sligo's the game. And now Sligo, are, Sligo have been poor this year, so it does look like they, they should get through to a kind of final. Now that game is uh, in Sligo. And Sligo obviously beat Galway at home last year. But Galway should should win that. Uh, you know, I don't know that we saw a whole lot yesterday that's that's actually going to... That, that, you know, that, that proves or disproves a whole lot. But, I mean, it was. It looked like a very tricky tie. No Paul Conroy, no Gary Sice, yeah, no Michael Meehan. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're like... Mm. Armstrong was out as well. Armstrong was out yeah. as well. I mean, Sice, you know, has been uh, sort of mm. nearly excommunicated from the squad for some unknown reason. I mean, without him... We wouldn't have beaten Tipperary or Waterford at home in the qualifiers last year. So, you know, we need to get him back. Uh, Conroy will be back. Uh, Mean's gone for the year. We'll get Armstrong back. Yeah, not not a bad day at the office, all told. I'm just relieved because if 
Galway had lost, we would have lost Murph essentially. Uh, you know, <laughs> certainly lost the energy levels by the 26th of May. Like, what's this big deal about this championship? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Now you have them all the way to September. Start in July, anyway. <laughs> Anthony O'Sheen, brilliant. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks. The hairdryer is, is a metaphor for the current of hot air generated by various blasts of temper. The hairdryer with which uh, Alex Ferguson was famously associated. He threw a hairdryer, I think, at David Beckham. Oh, no, he threw a hairdryer at David Beckham. Uh, in the, is that right? No, 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 no. Brilliant stuff as ever from the two lads. We are going to be talking hurling in a lot of depth on Thursday. Tipperary against Limerick is the big game next weekend. But the early indications are, Murph, that we may have another amazing hurling season on our hands. We didn't have Waterford really factored into the equation until an incredible draw, a match they should have won against Corkus. Yeah, that was... That's the real killer for them. That's a game they 100% should have won. I don't think they'll see Cork as bad... Um, the next day, I don't think it's it's you know Cork were were poor you know they were <laughs> for about fifty five minutes but the way they pulled their their pulled themselves together to actually get back into the game was very impressive but I mean you know the exuberance that Waterford showed in the first half the the way they played this Austin Gleeson mm. uh, you know I've family connections down at Waterford and all this I would have heard about this kid you know that he you know watch out for him he's pretty decent and on the minor we saw him playing at minor level last year captain of the Waterford minor team uh, I don't think anyone expected uh, expected him to have such a huge impact on the game I think he was pretty much what everyone was talking about in the immediate aftermath amazing what an incredible goal a sideline cut not just a, a, a skillful performance or an industrial performance a couple of moments of magic and yeah. if you get one of those out of a player on a debut you'd be pretty happy but to get two or three of them is yeah. beautiful and, and I think uh, was it Sean Ogo Halpin who was writing in his book something about the, the first day, the, the first uh, championship game you play for Cork, if you win one ball, you know, you're helping the team. You know, and like that, that was how one of the senior members of the, that Cork team, of the Cork team that he came on to, that's how he put it. You know, mm. if you win one ball in your debut, you've, you've helped the team in, in, for that one ball. Um, I think, to be fair, Austin Gleeson did quite a bit more <laughs> than that on his uh, on his If you hit debut. one sideline cut over the bar, smack one goal into the top corner after beating three players, yeah. you're helping the team, Austin, yeah. just keep it up. You could say you're doing, you're keeping up your end <laughs> of the bargain. We were talking about celebrations earlier, Ken, and uh, I don't know if you're going to go with this theory I have, but I think Cork celebrated too early, and I'll tell you how early they celebrated, Ken. Yeah. Well, whatever date it was that they posed for those photographs that are used in the TV graphics when they're doing lineups. So I was watching this in RT, you know the bit where they walk forward? Yeah. And then they stop, and you, there's a, and usually cross their arms. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. Brutally, I mean, I, I'm not sure if there's a written contract, whether there's an unwritten rule or a written rule, but it certainly seems that there's at least uh, a, a sort of precedent there that you just don't smile. No one ever um, interlocks their hands behind their head <laughs> when they David Brenta. Well, I'm telling you, these core players just marched up almost splitting their sides laughing practically slapping their thighs they were just so happy well, so look, carefree forget what well, cork if you, if you can imagine the, the situation yeah. which those things were recorded it See, was probably completely ridiculous they you know 25 lads all all uh, laughing you know 24 of them laughing at the one who's being filmed at any particular time I guess I have a bit yeah, of you need to yes yeah, so you need to take yourself out of you know you need to take yourself out of the TV moment they're not actually they're doing it at that exact moment. <laughs> Giant 40-foot. footage was pre-recorded. Yeah. <laughs> that could be the next step in well, television. Holograms. 40-foot well, holograms of all the players introduced in Semple Stadium. That I, that I would pay to see. The traditionalists wouldn't like that, one. Coming up in second captain's football. That's... Yeah. They have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I'm, the I'm a little bit of an idealist. 
But having said that, I want to be like me. What are you talking about? What did you want? I managed to stay alive for six days. I'm going to need it there. I'd say it to your face, and I'll say it to you now. I'm down to Anfield, and we'll see them, won't we? What you doing down here, you shawnee man? Well, Alan, there is a couple of massive games over the weekend. Ireland against Turkey uh, finished in a a defeat. Yeah, I'd like to stop losing those friendlies. So would Martin O'Neill, Alan. It's not enough for Martin O'Neill just to dominate these friendlies, just to play fantastic promising football and create loads of chances that's not enough for a lot of managers it would be but for Martin O'Neill he wants more he wants to see the team score a couple of goals and maybe not lose (laughs) so we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, with uh, Emmett Malone and we're going to talk also about the Champions League final which was obviously won by Real Madrid right, Philip Reid was at Wentworth for the Irish Times to witness an Irish 1-2 one of the most prestigious events on the European Tour Philip you've witnessed lots of good days in Irish golf in the last particularly in the last five or six years. But to see McElroy and Lowry down the stretch there and finishing in positions one and two, it looked like a fun event to be at. It was fantastic fun, yeah. It was terrific buzz. I don't think anyone, to be honest, arrived into Wentworth yesterday expecting the drama that was to unfold the way it did, it did uh, come about. And uh, like Rory McElroy, he really is box office when he gets going. And in fairness to Shane Lowry, he, uh, he went toe-to-toe with him and it was great intensity down the stretch and uh, just one of those great days on a golf course, to be honest. Did McElroy have any plausible explanation afterwards as to how he was able to pull that performance out of the bag given the week that he's gone through? Well, to be honest with you, Owen, he, he kept looking at the trophy and he was shaking his head and he was saying, you know, I don't know how the hell I've, I've got this because um, I don't think even his own expectations coming in were that, were that he was going to go away from Wentworth with the trophy. If you remember earlier on in the week, it was all the Caroline Wozniacki uh, sideshow, so to speak. But he also arrived at a winter course that was uh, very fast, was very firm, and exactly the way he doesn't like it. And what happened then was there was a lot of rain. Each night it just seemed to bring more and more rain. And uh, it softened the course. It took a lot of the fire away. And suddenly Wentworth went from being sort of an enemy to, to being a very good friend. Because as we know from his past wins in Majors, Congressional and Akiwa Island, uh, he likes soft courses, you know, it means he can take out the driver and he can fire it down the, the fairway and he's not afraid then of it bouncing off into the, the woods or into bushes or wherever, you know. So the, the course actually suited him from that point of view. But still seven shots behind going into yesterday morning. I don't think anyone really envisaged, like Thomas Bjorn is known for imploding. We've had it in the K-Club where he had his 11 back in 2005 and Royal St. George's where he had one hand on the carriage yoga and imploded there when Ben Curtis went on to win. But, uh, you know, he's an older, an older, wiser man. I don't think anyone expected him to come back to the field the way he did yesterday. Yeah, it's a really interesting explanation there, Philip, of the reasons for McElroy's victory because uh, another angle to it, obviously, is that the, the talk afterwards that he had found serenity. He said himself that he found a certain amount of serenity in the golf course, that he was able to focus on that. And uh, the more exciting reasoning would be that he, he did win in spite of almost maybe because of uh, the the week that he had, although the way you explain it there, maybe it was more about the weather than about uh, than about the other stuff. Well, no, I'd, I think it's a fair point that when he did get inside the ropes, he was away. I must say the, uh, the, the crowds over the last few days were absolutely fantastic and they were very encouraging. So he probably felt a little bit, a bit like a loved son in some ways because everywhere he went, whether he was coming up onto tees, walking off tees, going on to greens, you know, the old pep in the step, so to speak, was back. You know, he has that, he has a distinctive strut when he hits, hits a good shot. 
he'll twirl the club around, he'll look after the ball, and then he'll go off on a, a jaunty step, you know. And he had that for a lot of the day yesterday. I was very fortunate the way it worked out because uh, I went out in the course and he had Rory in one group and immediately behind him he had Lowry. So it was possible to keep an eye on both players. And, you know, it was just as the day went on and the drama developed that uh, the crowds just got more into it. It was great intensity. And when we all remember the old eyes that uh, Harrington had. Well, I won't say that McIlroy has a stare, but there's a confidence that exudes from him when he gets into the hunt. And it's been a while since he's been in a hunt in a big tournament. And he is he's a great man to close the deal when he gets the chance. It sounds like he was very popular winner then, Philip, because there has been some criticism of him. There's been sympathy that he uh, has to go and... Uh, go through this press conference and talk about something so personal to him. But there have been plenty of people saying, well, there's no need to talk about it like that. Uh, and maybe he could have handled the whole thing a little bit more uh, more sensibly for um, well, for the likings of some people. Uh, it was maybe a bit insensitive to, to talk about the breakup of a relationship like that. I, I guess that's his decision. But it doesn't sound like his popularity was impacted negatively in any way. No, I don't, I don't think it was uh, in any way, to be honest. Uh, like, you've got to remember that Rory was the one that put it out into the public domain. You know, he he released a statement early on Wednesday morning, saying that um, himself and uh, Caroline had broken up. So he was the one that, uh, like, the methodology surprised me in a way because, you know, no one no one knew that they had broken up, and no the, the questions wouldn't have been asked at the press conference. So it was his way of just getting it out out there and probably getting it uh, trying to deal with it. The, the other thing with Rory is, you know, I've, I've seen, you know, all these the columns and advice that he's been given that you don't talk. But, like, Rory is Rory, and he, he likes to talk, and he's not afraid to talk. And, you know, in fairness to him, after a round, I remember back in Augusta a number of years ago uh, when he had that bad round in the final round, a lot of other players would have, you know, shirked off and hidden away in the locker room. And, like, he stood, he stood up like a man at the end of... The, uh, um, at the back of the 18th green and he talked away and you know he, he expressed his, his emotions and his feelings and that's just that's just who he is he likes to talk and he likes to put his own um, his own his own words out there so to speak Yeah I suppose part of the argument is that there was another party involved in this case and Caroline Wozniacki and I guess nobody knows whether or not she was happy for him to, to speak like that but I do want to ask you about Shane Lowry because uh, it would have been an incredible achievement for him judging by the incredible smile that lit up his face and lit up the 18th green with that put at the end to clinch second place on his own and judging by some of the comments that he gave to you afterwards Philip it seems as though um, while you could be somewhat crushed by getting so close to a career launching win or almost a career defining win it seems like he's looking on the on the bright side on the right side of this well there's no doubt that uh, things have changed in the last few weeks for him you know I've been talking to him for quite some time and he's been saying that you know the game is there, he's working away and sometimes it just needs a little thing to click into place and uh, you know, holding that 50 footer on the last, you know, there's an element of luck obviously in that as well as the skill but he could try and put that put for 100 times and not hold it again but to be honest it was probably no more than he deserved um, he, he put in a fantastic performance yesterday, you know, he arrived at six shots behind Thomas Bjorn and uh, once he eagled that fourth hole, he just seemed to get going. Uh, the double bogey on 13 cost him a lot, um, like when you look back. But like, there's ifs and buts in golf. And uh, the thing is, he put himself 
right into the mix. He's a player who enjoys the big stages. You know, I get the impression sometimes with Shane when he turns up at the smaller tournaments that his whole heart cannot isn't always there. Whereas when he comes onto the bigger stages, you know, he really delivers, and he is a big time player. And uh, if he'd won yesterday, it would have just opened so many doors. It would have given him a five-year tour exemption. It would have got him into British Opens. It would have got him into the U.S. Open in Pinehurst in a fortnight's time. But the the other side of it is finishing second on his own gave him, you know, a big hefty 527,000 euro check. It's brought him up from 165th in the race to Dubai all the way up to 15th. So, like, he's no cares about tour car for the rest of the year and he can really kick on you know he really is a good player yeah he would have had a day off today as well wouldn't have had to play in the US Open well, qualifiers well, that's true yeah would have been nice uh, in the short term but you know talking to him um, yeah. in Wentworth yesterday he, he went off and you know he, as you say he had he had that big smile on his face when he held the put in the 18 but he still had that great smile 20 minutes later after the prize ceremony and uh, before he was heading off so he was refocusing already he was looking forward to Walton Heat today and the US Open qualifying and uh, hopefully he makes it there. He must be close now in his own head to a space where he doesn't have to convince himself anymore that he's in this company because after the round he talked about the fact that he was two or three shots up on these guys and he reeled out the names like McElroy and Bjorn and, and Luke Donald, these sort of players. Is he close to the point where he doesn't even have to convince himself anymore? It'll just be within him that he... And I don't know, is this second place enough, do you think, to convince him that look, I know I'm good enough to beat these guys. I don't even have to, to talk about it anymore. I just know I can do it. Yeah, well, I remember back in uh, 2011 when he finished fourth in the BMW PGA in Wentworth that year and he played with uh, Rory McIlroy and uh, Francesco Molinari uh, for, the, for the last two rounds and uh, I think Rory might have beaten him by a shot on the Saturday. But like it, that was the first time he really believed, OK, I'm, I'm up at this level. The next day he went out and he six or seven shots better than Francesco Malinari. So like that gave him an impetus and I think like although he didn't win yesterday, I think the, the runner up is going to give him further impetus for not just for the rest of the season, but uh, in terms of his career because he, he you know, he might he might have thrown out the names of McElroy and Bjorn and Donald yesterday, but I, I, I he he has got to the stage where he is comfortable in that company. And uh, I think it's only a matter of time before he actually wins a big one. But he has to get into the majors. He has to get into the WGCs. And once he's there, he's going to get more and more comfortable. And uh, in any given week, uh, he's not going to be the most consistent player throughout a year. But in given weeks, he will be able to perform content and to win. OK, well, Philip Reid, uh, it seemed like great fun went. Well, thanks so much for taking the time today. Thanks, Owen. Shane Curran with the kick out. The 42-year-old goalkeeper. Hurling it out from goal. Here he comes. He topped it. He fought it. He's 50 yards out from goal. What a day for us coming. All the mother niggas lame and you know it now. When the real nigga hold you down, you're supposed to drown. Bam. 1944 is the last time a senior tiger come out of here. And the whoa, 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 the last one. Bam. What a day for us coming. Leave a pretty girl sad reputation. Start a fight club, Brad reputation. I asked the question. Did anybody deserve to lose a dollar in club final? Give me a tech, tech, tech if you know the answer. It'll be heartbreak on either side. Imagine being eight up. Imagine coming from eight down. Shane Curran has been lifted by an umpire. The sub goalie. Two castle barmen and a bridges mate. I can't see Curran continuing.
It could be his last race out of gold. And if you have a look in today's Irish Times, you can read lots of great stuff from Philip on all of that. He's uh, very strong there, Murph, on the idea that McElroy shouldn't be getting hammered for talking about his personal life. And he has been in places, uh, I, I did briefly mention there that it's different maybe to golf-specific stuff in that Caroline Wozniacki is at home or wherever seeing this issue being talked about and we don't know whether she would like that or not. Nobody knows. But in terms of the context that Philip put it in there, I think he was actually quite convincing that Rory talks and this is one of the great things about him. He, 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 and it's not that he's talking about comfortable stuff either. I don't know if he really wanted to go and do that, but he felt that he should last week. He probably didn't want to talk about throwing away the Masters when he did, but as Philip said, he came out and talked about it at that stage. So I don't know where you fall on that, whether you think McElroy is better off just maybe... Just yeah. keeping it keeping it zipped from time to time. I think the I think the difference that you outlined is actually pretty important. Really? You know, I mean, if you know, if you mess up on a golf course, you're doing your job, and if you mess up at your job, maybe sometimes you're called to task on it, or what, you know, that's that's part of the the contract you make when you become a, pro- a professional golfer. I think if you know, if you're talking about your private life and stuff, really, unless I I would say unless you're asked a specific, a specific question about it and you don't want to be really rude, I don't see why anyone has any need to be asking you about so your So you think life. just, uh, he's tied in to do this press conference on the Wednesday before the tournament, just say no, I can't, uh, I, I, this personal no, stuff Well no, I, I just, I, I just wouldn't just announce say, that, I, I, that my I'll engagement the announcement that morning yeah. with a view to then talking about yeah, it. Yeah, I, I just wouldn't make the announcement, you know, and if it comes out, don't deny it, but don't make the original announcement. That, well, that, that, that would just be my way of doing it, but to be honest, me Putting myself in Rory, any any of us putting ourselves in Rory McIlroy's shoes at twenty five, unbelievably rich, unbelievably successful, uh, having a uh, you know your uh, this major romance being played out in front of the world's media. I mean, I don't know how any of us would react, but certainly my way, my reaction, first reaction would be that's my business and my ex fiance's business, and leave leave it at that. There was an interesting detail that he turned his phone off this week. He gave his laptop away I'm not sure why he had to give his laptop away I think he could have just turned that off as well <laughs> but he decided that he was going to give the laptop away and I know Brian O'Connor elsewhere in the Irish Times makes the point that the reason that he did well this weekend wasn't because he had poured his heart out but was because he'd shut himself he'd shut himself off from from talking basically from Thursday on and just focused on the golf so in terms of actually his golfing career maybe something could come out of it in the context, in that kind of a context as to how he actually interacts in the build-up to big events. But again, I don't know. I don't really want to see Rory shut down completely or anything. I don't think he's going to. Maybe there is a a balance there. We have to wrap things up at this stage, I'm afraid, guys. But Champions League second captain's football is coming up a little bit later on today. You can have a listen to us, as always, on SoundCloud. You can hear us on iTunes. Uh, If you're an Android user, Podcast Republic is a good app to use. And also irishtimes.com forward slash second captains. We're always there. In fact, check out irishtimes.com forward slash podcast if you have some time. Loads of great shows on there besides us. So have a listen to that if you can. We will be back a little bit later on today. As I said, thanks, Murph. Thank you, Owen. Thanks, Ken. Looking forward to talking Champions League later. Um, I can't wait. Let's do it right now. Acast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs> 